This is the Breath of Fresh Jets podcast with Charlie Badwini. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I just talked to the team about that. I'm going to work my tail off over this uh, this bye week. Uh, see if there's something that we can come up with. Um, uh, study the tape, just look at all the uh, decisions, see the execution, just try to figure out what the answer is over this next week and uh, uh, come up with something because it's got to be better. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Breath of Fresh Jets podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Badwini, and this is your number one stop for all things Jets content and news. I personally never want to see the New York Jets play in London ever again. I woke up at 9.15 a.m. on a Sunday yesterday morning, and if you know me and you're listening to this, you know I, I like to sleep in. I, I, I don't normally particularly enjoy waking up early or going to bed early. I'm, I'm more of a night owl kind of guy, and for this team, I woke up early, and what did I get in return? A lackluster, lifeless, same old Jets performance. On Wilson Watch... We had Zach Wilson going 19 of 32 for 192 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, and a quarterback rating of 63.5. Rough game for Wilson. Definitely not his worst so far. I'd still probably say the Patriots game was the worst day of of, uh, his NFL career so far. But yesterday was pretty rough as well. We'll get more into Zach later, but I think the the biggest thing, (laughs) biggest takeaway from this game for me was this is just like typical classic Jets you know they they get a big win last week you think they're turning a corner that you think they're coming along finally with this new regime and then bam they just shit the bed against a Falcons team that isn't good they they easily could have won this game if they were playing like they were last week against the Titans they were winning this game the game yesterday but unfortunately I, I guess they were gassed I mean the defense played 100 snaps last week in regulation and overtime, and then they had to get on a plane, fly across the freaking Atlantic Ocean, and play a football game in London. I think the, the the biggest momentum change in this game had to be the opening drive for the Falcons. You know, uh, right after the coin toss, the Falcons got the ball first, and we had them off the field. It was it was third down, third and long, and and uh, I think uh, Matt Ryan threw an incompletion as he was getting sacked by Quincy Williams. And the refs call rough from the passer, which was a complete horseshit and bogus call. Quincy even pushed his arms out to try and break the fall as they were hitting the turf. And what do you know, the NFL and their stupid rules, call rough from the passer, Falcons get a free first down, and they turn that into a field goal. And I'm not obviously there's a lot of game time in between this and the, the final whistle, but it's just... It kept the Falcons alive. Like they should have punted there, and they had a chance to continue the drive. And 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 in all fairness to them, they took advantage of that opportunity. But just these referees change change the outcomes of these games sometimes with these ticky tack calls. And I'm getting really really tired of it. Side note on the defensive side of the ball. First thing, Quincy Williams is the truth, man. He has to be the hardest hitter we have on defense right now. We picked him up off, off of waivers a couple weeks ago when after the Jaguars cut him going into training camp or into the regular season post-training camp, and he's been starting at linebacker for us, and he's been making plays. I think he had a, a forced fumble yesterday. He just hits like a truck, man, and I love watching him, him and his brother Quinnen play. That's just uh, something super cool to have on defense, having two brothers play like that. But 
Um, another big, really big weakness for the Jets this game on defense was the tight end position. And uh, <laughs> this is a bit of a weakness on both sides of the ball, offense and defense. But starting off with defense, we can't cover them. We don't have a safety or a linebacker who can go go toe-to-toe with any tight end in football right now, I don't think. Kyle Pitts, have, of course, of course, had his breakout game yesterday against the Jets. I mean, who else do you think it would be against? Uh, he had like eight catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown. Hayden Hurst, the Falcons' second-string tight end, also had a pretty big game. He had a touchdown, a couple catches, and, you know, stuff like that, but... Uh, there's something's got to be a better, better, better game plan there, better scheme, because on a couple of those touchdowns, we had John Franklin Myers and Bryce Huff, our, our two defensive ends, covering the tight ends in coverage, and that's just a recipe for disaster. I don't know what, what Sala and Ulbrich were thinking there, but that's got to that's gotta be a, a focus going into the bye week when we're talking about game plans going forward. Like I said before, I think the defense was really gassed. They they literally played 100 snaps last week in regulation and overtime against the Titans, and they had to get on a plane, fly across the ocean, and play this football game. And the offense could not afford to start as slow as they did in the first half because the defense needed its rest. They needed to get onto the sideline, take a seat, have some Gatorade, have some water, and the offense couldn't do that for them. They went three and out on a bunch of their first drives in the first half, and it was just, just so rough to watch Zach struggle. He was missing short, easy throws that are supposed to be pitch and catch. He was bouncing the balls at the feet of Jamison Crowder, of Ryan Griffin whenever he was actually open, Corey Davis. It was just a, it was a rough day overall for Zach, but I, I'm, I'm not worried about Wilson uh, with this year. I just want to see progress week to week. and I'll be able to make my final judgment on him when the season's over, but the real test doesn't start till year two for a rookie quarterback, if you ask me. I don't think it's fair to call any rookie a bust after one year in football. That's got to be if uh, it's, it's got to be one of the hardest positions to uh, transfer over to from college to pr- uh, professional that or cornerback. But um, Zach playing like 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 yesterday, not a big deal to me. I just I, I I I hope he gets better week to week. And obviously he took a step back from how he was playing against the Titans last week. But you know, first time in London, uh, you know, flying over the uh, ocean like that. It's not an excuse, but could be a a reason why his play wasn't up to snuff yesterday. You know, after watching the Chiefs game last night, uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Bills going at it on offense and defense there, I I, I see so many shades of Patrick Mahomes and Zach Wilson. Mahomes did not play perfect last night by any means, and it looked like I was watching Zach Wilson play football. He was bouncing the ball at some of his receivers' feet, at Tyreek and Kelsey, um, he, he was hitting some, some big throws down the stretch, but it's all about putting it together. And, and if you guys remember, uh, Patrick Mahomes didn't start his rookie year in the NFL. He sat behind Alex Smith for a season and then, and then, uh, capped off the season when the Chiefs locked up a playoff spot in the, the week 17, uh, closer. And I, I, I honestly think that if, uh, if Mahomes had played his rookie year, I think he would be very similar to what Zach is playing like right now. And I'm just, I'm, I'm really hoping that, Year two is the same for Zach as it was for Patrick Mahomes. And I I think that is the best pro comparison you can give to Zach Wilson right now, especially with all that arm talent and the angles he can throw the ball at and his just mobility. I I just see a lot of shades of of, uh, Pat Mahomes in Wilson's game right now. Uh, A poor man's Pat Mahomes in in his game right now, I should say. Now, we we talk a lot about quarterbacks on this show, so why don't we just talk about the rest of the offense now. Uh, Offensive line... Had a pretty solid game. They didn't allow a sack until the uh, the end of the game on the Jets' final drive when they were already down like 
17-27. They allowed that sack because Zach held onto the ball too long. That wasn't really their fault, but they had an overall solid game. Uh, except for run game, they didn't. Re- they couldn't really get the run block, uh, run blocking up this uh, this week. But Elijah Vera Tucker is developing very well and very fast. He has gotten better every week, and he has become a stud on the offensive line. That left guard spot, it, it looks looking like it's going to be locked down for the foreseeable future. AVT is looking great. As for the pass catchers, I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. The tight ends, obviously, Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst were tearing us up, and. Who do we have at tight end for this game? Yesterday we had 32-year-old Ryan Griffin, 33-year-old, however old he is, he's an old man. Can't do much on offense besides block and run the simplest of routes right now. He, he can't move, you know. I, I addressed this a little bit a couple weeks ago. The Jets needed a tight end going into the 2021 season for Zach to have a safety blanket for, you know. I think they really thought Corey Davis could be that kind of guy who could, uh, you know, always be available for Zach, always be in the right spot. And I'm not saying he isn't, but he's not as reliable with the hands. And Jameson Crowder was good yesterday. Um, but the Jets, I don't know if they're going to do this before the deadline. They probably won't. Joe, Joe Douglas is not really a buyer uh, over the past couple trade deadlines in, in, uh, in recent Jets history as in his tenure as GM. But I, I think it would be in this team's best interest not even just to, to be competitive down the stretch, but just to, to give Zach another safety blanket, another weapon, find a tight end who has talent, who can catch the ball, and get him to New York, JD, because he needs a tight end that can be his best friend. Like like how Jimmy G has George Kittle, how Patrick Mahomes has Travis Kelsey, Lamar Jackson has Mark Andrews. Jalen Hurts is Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. They, they, they need to get a tight end in here who can be a quarterback's best friend and also block when they ask him to. Because if, if you look around the league, the Kyle Shanahan offense and his disciples of guys who have, uh, have come from his coaching tree, like guys like Sean McVay, uh, guys like, like uh, Mike LaFleur, or not Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur, Matt LaFleur over in Green Bay. You got guys like Robert Tunyon and Tyler Higby. They, they, they need a tight end who can help out in the passing game and run game. And right now, that guy is not on the Jets roster. We had a Denzel Mim sighting yesterday. He had three targets, two catches for 33 yards. And interesting stat for you Jet fans out there. Denzel Mims has caught two passes on two touchdown drives this season, and those are the only two drives he's caught a ball on. So whenever the Jets throw the ball to Denzel Mims and he catches it, they are more likely than not or I guess in, in it's, it's a small sample size, but they've scored touchdowns on both the drives he's caught balls. So I think that is, uh, is more than enough information the coaching staff needs to get Mims the ball. He's a playmaker. You know, just, just get him the ball. If I don't care how, find a way and freaking do it, man. Because this guy needs the ball, and he's a playmaker. Even Mekhi Becton, who, he, he, I don't think he made the trip to London, but he tweeted mid-game free Mims. And I think that's a testament to the locker room and how they feel about the situation. They know how good Mims is. The fans know how good Mims is. I don't know what the coaching staff is doing right now. I don't know what Mike LaFleur is thinking right now, but get Mims the ball. I don't know if they think they're teaching him a lesson, but he needs to be on the field. The Jets offense is better when Denzel Mims is on the field. And finally, the last thing I want to bring up is get Elijah Moore the ball. The Jets have have playmakers on offense, and yet they still decide to force-feed Corey Davis seven targets a game. And I'm not saying Corey doesn't deserve those targets, or he's not... He's not maximizing uh, those those uh, like uh, opportunities, but 
I, the Jets need to spread the ball around and not key in on Corey. And I think I think this is this goes for Zach too because he he stares down Corey Davis a lot as his number one option. But there, there's just so many players on this offense that can that can make plays. You got Jameson Crowder who. To be fair, caught four balls yesterday. He, I think he was targeted a decent amount. Denzel Mims need, needs more targets, and Elijah Moore needs more targets. That In training camp, the Jets are ready to put a gold jacket on this guy. Everything that you read coming out of training camp with Elijah Moore and OTAs and whatnot was that whenever he touched the ball, it was a 50-yard gain or a touchdown. It was either or. And he he was targeted twice yesterday, didn't catch a single ball. He did draw a really important pass interference to get the Jets down on the one-yard line late in the third quarter. And I, I just think this is one of those guys that the Jets need to find a way to make work. You saw yesterday with the Giants game, their, their rookie wide receiver, Kadarius Toney. I mean, to be fair, that they had lost all their weapons due to injuries and whatnot. He was like the only guy out there they could throw to. But he had 10 catches, 180 yards, and, and a punch. But <laughs> besides the point... I just think the Mike LaFleur needs to figure out, and I think he will, or I'm hoping he will, over the bye week, figure out a way to spread the ball around and not make Zach lock onto one target on on, on one play. I, I just think there's a lot of problems with this Jets team right now. I, I know they're, they, they could have won this game, and I, I know that better than anybody, but it's still early. I, I know I keep I keep thinking about how 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 terribly negative I was about the Jets a couple weeks ago uh, following that Denver Broncos game, and then they followed it up with a win. I've decided that for the rest of the season, as long as they show fight like, like they did yesterday, like they, they were down 20 to nothing or 20, or 20 to three at halftime yesterday, but they fought, they came back, which is a, which is a testament to this Robert Sala team and how he, he coaches them and how he leads them. But unless they're not showing fight, I'm 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 gonna keep my head up and I'm gonna just say, I'll I'll take whatever punches I need to this year, as long as we're competitive next year. And that's a, a bit of a defeatist attitude. The season being over again in early October, but that's that's just the fact of the matter, Jet fans. Um, this this team is gonna need some time to grow, and with another free agent class, another year of drafting, another another year of Zach Wilson's development, and we're on the right track. So. Well, that's all I got for you guys today. Uh, tough loss in Atlanta yesterday, but I, I still got a lot of high hopes for this team. There is talent on this roster. It is not the worst roster in football, and there are brighter days ahead. So thank you for listening, and I'll catch you guys later this week. You've been listening to The Breath of Fresh Jets with Charlie Badweaver.